So Chris Stark, uh, I'm the uh, CEO and co-founder of Innovate 5G. And uh, one of the topics I think we want to tackle is the, to answer the question, will 5G uh, change the world? And I think there's a really simple answer to that, and that is, yes, it can. This is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. But before we get into the 5G discussion, we'd like to take a moment to try to get to know our guests a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. Chris, you ready for those? I'm ready. All right. Question number one. What do you consider your greatest achievement? So I think the, the greatest achievement has been uh, the formation of the ONGO, what was now called the ONGO Alliance. It was called the CBRS Alliance, but it was the whole issue of, of trying to support the FCC and Department of Commerce in bringing this innovation ban called CBRS to the market and really opening it up to something way beyond the consumer. And I think that, plus being able to be the chairman for, for the Ongo Alliance for, for two years, was uh, both an honor and, and something I'm, I'm reasonably proud of. Uh, but I would say I always hope to do something better. And question number two, what is your most marked characteristic? I do like to push the envelope. Um, I think sometimes maybe a little too far. Um, I, I like, I, I must admit, I like the feeling of risk or maybe being uncomfortable in things. And question number three, Chris, which historical figure do you most identify with? I didn't have one in particular, but the ones that I think I most admire are the ones that did something that was just, um, just a complete step forward. Uh, I'm thinking like Edison with the light bulb or, I mean, even going much further back, people who had to think totally differently um, to create something and really made a big change. Um, those people, I, I, they do inspire me. I, I, I think when you feel, look at how or, or the environment they were in and what it must have taken to take that chance and take that risk. That, that's quite inspiring. Well, in terms of making big changes, Chris, I, I'm excited to learn about the work you're doing with Innovate 5G. So maybe we can start our conversation there. A relatively new company in the space. So to start, just tell us a little bit about what your mission and objectives are. So thank you. Um, so Innovate 5G, we founded Innovate 5G basically to support the application development industry to take advantage of the 5G opportunity. I think when I was the chairman of, uh, of the Ongo Alliance, the one thing that was coming across is that we were tackling all of the issues about, we tackled the spectrum, we tackled equipment, devices and everything else. But the fact is that people buy networks not because of connectivity per se, they, be, they buy them because they create an outcome. And to do that, we need developers, we need great ideas um, to come forward as far as the developer community. And so we, we looked at this and we thought there were three things that, that we really needed to take a, a, a stock on. 
One is the education. People don't really understand 5G. They don't understand how they can play in 5G. And, and that's a big deal, trying to get the message out. I think beyond education, then it's just giving them access to facilities that allow them to do their evaluation, to do their application development, and to do it in, a, in, in an environment that, that works for them, not an environment where they have to travel 3,000 miles and queue and, and beg to get on, onto a facility, but a way of getting on, uh, using a network or, or creating sort of um, an evaluation of their application in a very easy to use fashion. And I think the last one is, is really just a conduit to help developers get their ideas, their applications into the market and sell their ideas. And in each of these, we just looked at them and thought, well, how do we make it really easy for the development community to get on board? How do we create that frictionless environment, if you like? So to tackle that, we created a platform, a cloud-based platform called Genius. And the whole idea was just to allow people to upload their applications from anywhere into the platform. We'd then take it and run it through a 5G network, not in an ideal condition, in all sorts of conditions, and give them feedback on how they were doing. And we can give them benchmarks. The platform just takes all of the complexity of 5G away. They don't have to be a network designer or whatever. They just have to understand some basics of how to uh, take advantage of 5G, and then we do the rest. Um, we also added the whole concept that when they go through, if they do really, if they go through the, the platform and they get um, certified, then let's give them a certification um, that they can show that they've been successfully developed in the environment, and also let's give them a file that tells them how their application can be integrated into a network. So I think the final piece that we looked at was, let's create a marketplace and allow anyone to come and browse through a catalog of applications and buy an outcome that they need. So we sort of looked at it every time was about, can we make it simple? Can we make it as frictionless as possible interaction for the guys trying to create the value from the applications? So Chris, you make a, a really key point here that particularly in the context of an enterprise investing in 5G, they're not spending on technology for the sake of technology. They're buying a business outcome that would be facilitated through an app in, in this case. So I, I'm just kind of curious as you look at the, the type of app development that Innovate 5G is facilitating, do you find that the development community one, fully appreciates the breadth of capabilities around enhanced mobile broadband, ultra-reliable low-latency communications, massive IoT, et cetera. And what does that look like in an app? What makes a 5G app a 5G app? So, so first off, I think, I think the level of understanding in the marketplace about what 5G has to deliver, can deliver to people who create applications is nowhere near where it should be. Um, we have to change that. Um, I think though, and, and one important, important statement I think is this, is that if you look and say, what makes an app 5G ready? An app is 5G ready if it works way better than it did before 
not just the same. Being able to cross a 5G network and create the same outcome is not really that big a deal. Uh, what you want is you, you, I think a 5G ready app means that it will really demonstrate it can, it can work so much better when it gets into a 5G environment. And if I can, I mean, I, I think there's three ways to look at applications. And this is, this is the sort of evolution I think that's going to happen. I think the first one is that you've got lots of applications that just reside in a central cloud and treat the network pretty much as a pipe. And they, they're applications that have been used on 4G and so on. Um, you've got applications that are going to work on an edge cloud. That means that they won't just sit in a, in a, in a centralized cloud. They'll move right to the edge and sit there and they'll work with the network in a much more static function, but they'll work with the network on a much closer proximity to the end use case. And then you've got the third case, which is where they'll actually sit on that edge cloud, but they won't just work across the network, they'll dynamically interact with the network. And I think in each of those cases, you're going to see the there are opportunities, firstly, for the ones that just sit in a, in a centralized cloud and run straight over the top. Those guys can change their application so it will work so much better on 5G. There's Latency and bandwidth are the first two keys to that that they can take advantage of. But essentially, they've just got to know when they're in that environment. I mean, generally, those cloud-based applications they have to work across 4G Wi-Fi and so on. So they have to take advantage of or, or take into account of the environment they're working across. But when they're in a 5G network, they ought to actually take advantage of that. And there's just some fantastic quality of experience capabilities that they're able to get out of that if they just understand and, and architect their app in the right way. I think in the second case where we look and say apps are going to move to the edge, I think this is the first sort of migration that, that's probably the big one for 5G that will create much more sort of enterprise industrial opportunities. Um, the application then will be sitting in a less, uh, in a much more defined environment. It won't have to sit there and just worry about how it gets connectivity to the edge. It'll actually be right close to the edge and it will see it. So there you'll see that, in fact, it will start getting a lot more of the benefits of 5G all the time. And that's one of the start, or rather the inception, I think, of where network slicing will probably take hold. The third case, in my mind, is where the app actually starts to interact with the network dynamically, and it changes the resources in the network, and, and the network sort of responds to the app. And that's more of a dynamic uh, situation for for uh, a network that that particular type of interaction really does require the standalone configuration of 5G that people might have been hearing about. But there you need to you you need that enhanced configuration. But there you really will be able to get to all of the all of the sort of benefits that you'll ever get out of 5G. So I think I think when you go to that level we're probably going to see the full gamut of 5G advantage explored by the application developers and taken advantage of by the enterprise and industry. Hi, everyone. This is Sean. I want to thank you for supporting Will 5G Change the World, which is sponsored by Viavi Solutions. 
Viavi helps communication service providers, network equipment manufacturers, and enterprises worldwide command the 5G network with automated solutions for test, monitoring, and assurance. Learn more at viavisolutions.com forward slash 5G. So we'll talk more uh, later in our conversation about that that third scenario that you laid out for us, but I want to talk a little bit more about uh, numbers one and two. And, you know, this is from my own perspective, which, you know, this is a consumer perspective on 5G, but I've, I've had access to 5G capable devices and networks since the back half of 2019. So, you know, a year and a half into this and the only apps that I've been engaged with are, are speed testing apps to look at the quality of the, the throughput and the latency and the ping and all of this. And it's good information, but there is no meaningful app that takes advantage of those capabilities that I have found yet. Uh, to your point about this move to the edge, you know, it's to consumers not really readily available today. There's been certainly investment in edge infrastructure from operators, but very much geared towards enterprise, rightfully so. That's what they're likely derive 5G related service revenue from. But I'm curious to get your perspective on whether, you know, we've reached a point in time where 5G networks are available enough. Uh, these investments in distri distribution of compute out of centralized data centers towards the network edge are progressing rapidly enough that we will actually start to see some differentiation in the 5G apps that are, are put into market. So, so look, I think one of the things that you said is very true is that the first wave of 5G is consumer driven. I mean, and for very, for very obvious re reasons, the major carriers revenue comes from the fact that they've, they've all got over a hundred million subs, right? Between AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, I think they've all got over a hundred million subs. And, and it's the first place to try and deliver an experience, a 5G experience. I think the speed thing is going to evolve for those people into a gaming and immersive consumer-facing outcome. Um, I, I think the, the speed thing has been pushed because I think we've all been conditioned over a long period of time to evaluate the connection on our phone in terms of speed. And I think that it will take a while for us to start migrating towards the idea that we evaluate it on the experience we get rather than on some speed test. Um, so, but I, I think that from a consumer side first, I think there are some really interesting moves as far as gaming and, and some of that more immersive AR type uh, application um, I don't think they all have to be at the edge. I think the, I've seen some people do some really interesting stuff where they get to use the 5G attributes, but they're still in a centralized location or as far as the app's concerned. But I, I just think I think the, the consumer is the first place that, that gets marketed to and so on. The second wave is going to be more the adoption of enterprise and industry. Um, I think, you know, the, the whole idea that 5G basically offers the chance to take everything that was in a wired sense and move it wireless is, is quite powerful. But I think it is key to finding business outcomes that work economically and impact the enterprise in a meaningful way. So I don't think, 
I think with enterprise um, and industry, I, I don't think it it all happens because suddenly they want to move everything to a wireless world. I think that it, it has to be because it creates something for them. So that, con- that concept, well, I'm just going to do it a substitutional proposition. I'm not sure that's really going to play that well. So for my mind, I, I think, look, I, I think it is going to be, we're, we're all going to get tired of hearing how great 5G is from a speed perspective, and we're all going to start wanting to know what it means. And that's where the rubber hits the road. And as I say, I think that's where consumers will end up with some really great experiences, and, and you'll start to appreciate it. But I think that it's the same for the enterprise. I think enterprises in a heroic sense might want to brand themselves as as a 5G enterprise, but I think that's going to be few and far between. I think in the end, they're going to want to say, look, it's got to create some value for me for it to be worth deploying. Now I wanted to talk about that third scenario that you sketched out where you've got this dynamic interaction between application and network uh, that would maybe be predicated on uh, standalone 5G networks, so cloud-native core. Um, just, uh, I think I know what that means, but if you could maybe put a fine point on it and tell our audience a little bit about how you see carriers and enterprises integrating applications into their networks. So I think I think what you'll see is this is the you'll see not just a single application that runs on the 5G but you'll probably see a suite of applications that get used on 5G and those applications won't all need the same attributes so they won't all need the same level of latency they won't all need the same level of bandwidth they maybe can uh, in terms of priority and so on they can they can be prioritized across so there'll there'll be applications that essentially you look at and say this is how I'm going to use it the network will look at that and look at how uh, that, I mean, for instance, a security camera. You might want a security camera to be always on over the nighttime hours when nobody's there. And you may not want it on as much during the day. So you may want to prioritize things and the network be able to change how it deals with traffic from devices to the to the core, depending on, on exactly that. And I think that dynamis, dynamism of, of how the applications in the network and the use cases interact is sort of the end goal here. And so I, I think, you know, that from that my perspective, if we can get to that, that that's probably the, the point at which we want to get. I think if we can get to that, the one thing about being there is this, is that when those applications go in, getting them integrated into the network has to be something that is pretty straightforward because what we're going to want to see is we're going to see want to see the easy button when it comes to integrating new applications and new capabilities into our network. And that just doesn't mean deploying them in the first off and saying and, and washing our hands and walking away. It means as the network changes, it, the, the application has to continue to learn and grow uh, and, and take account of it. And as the application continues, it needs to go through its life cycle and continue to create value for the network. So I think it's a dynamic situation. I think the, the integration piece of it needs to be handled in the end automatically, and we need to automate that. 
I don't think that's the case at the beginning. I think we're going to go through some rough times of learning as to how applications get put into networks. Um, I fully expect the you know, we'll, we'll probably see the, that it's some really heavy lifting to get them in. And my worry is that, that if that becomes a really heavy cost factor, it might break some of the return on investment that the enterprise wants. So I think we're going to have to be really careful with that and make this as easy as possible and as seamless as possible to the enterprise. And as I said, you know, I, this, is, this is about keeping in mind there's a life cycle here. It isn't a static situation. When you do it once, you don't just walk away. You, this is something that you need to be with and, and help it learn and grow. So, you know, that, that one is just a, a big, I think that's a big issue that, that amongst all the other things that we've got to take care of, we do, we have to take care of it in the way that makes sense for the enterprise and the business. Chris, it's been really enlightening to hear about the work Innovate 5G is doing to foster the application ecosystem, but I also wanted to talk briefly about another aspect of your business, and that's around uh, building bespoke private enterprise networks. So maybe just give us a, a little bit of a overview of the market as you see it and uh, tell us what Innovate 5G is doing in that area. So, I mean, the market itself, I, I think, is is really starting to take off here in the United States. I mean, I think CBRS has been a huge catalyst for that. And I think the, the work, the, 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 all of the people associated with trying to support that band um, is really coming to fruition. I, what I see is that I, I think that we've had some use cases of convenience that have come up and, and have driven a bunch of private networks. And sort of things there I'm thinking about is the, the sort of school issue of the homework gap and what's happened with COVID and the hospitals and so on. So I think there's been some, some what I call use cases of convenience, but there is, there is a building sort of momentum behind private networks uh, here in the US. We, one of the things we looked at early on was um, we debated about getting into the idea of building uh, and supporting private wireless networks. But I think one of the things we came to the conclusion of is that we should do it because most of our focus is to help, it, it needs to be to understand the integration issues and how do you create a network that actually has a defined outcome. It isn't just a consumer and it gives you whatever. It, it actually creates an outcome based on, on what the enterprise demands. And so from our, our perspective, we've been looking and building private networks, mostly with a focus to help us get to that understanding. Where are the pain points? What's difficult and what's likely to trip you up on, on that whole integration journey? And look, the real world always disappoints, right? I mean, we start off in a lab with everything looking really great and you, you, you can't wait to get out there and show people and then you get out there and find out that, well, not everything works quite the way you want it. And so I, I think this was about making sure that we could talk about integration from experience rather than having read a book. And I, I, think, I think our whole value long-term is going to be helping bridge that gap between the environment we're in today, where 
in all honesty, I expect some manual heavy lifting to get these in applications and the network outcomes to, to actually go the way people want. Uh, all the way to where I hope we're going to be, which is where integration is an automated task. It's a file that gets that gets delivered with the application, and the file basically instructs the network exactly how it's going to work. And I think you know, there's an end outcome there that we see, and we want to we're going to try and drive to. But you've got to take account of the fact that the world isn't perfect, and we need to make sure that we get there. And and so getting our hands dirty at this point and understanding what will be the bar barriers is, is something we're working on. So Chris, you told us earlier about your work in the Ongo Alliance and about what Innovate 5G is doing for bespoke private enterprise networks. I wanted to ask you a question about this uh, preference in consumption model that enterprises will have to identify as they really understand their digital transformation strategies long-term a bit better. Um, in US, we have CBRS, as you mentioned. Germany, we've seen liberalized access to the 3.6 gigahertz band, which has seen a good bit of uptake from industrial users there in Germany. And we've seen similar machinations in other geographies. But I, I'm just kind of curious, what do you think the preferred model of consumption is going to be here as we really do see large-scale proliferation of private networks? Is it going to be the enterprise having access to shared or dedicated spectrum, or is it going to be operators effectively selling into verticals by slicing a private portion of the public network and then tuning it to the SLAs that the user needs? So, I mean, I think the last part of what you said is is critical. Look, enterprise and industrials, they, they want to see a business outcome that makes sense, full stop. It means it's got to be cost effective. It delivers a top line growth. Uh, it creates operational savings or enables them to do something new that they can take advantage of. And the fundamental in my mind is whoever can deliver that will win. And it, whether it's whether it's a carrier or whether it's somebody else, I, I think they're they're more focused on their business than than who delivers it, as long as they deliver it in a way that they want. Um, so I, my feeling is we end up with both situations. I think large operators providing private networks um, uh, and the emergence of private wireless operating industry both will happen. The carrier is going to have to tread carefully, though, with net neutrality if they want to merely piggyback enterprise networks onto the consumer network. Uh, I also think their mentality needs to be sort of enterprise and industrial driven. In other words, they, they've got to look at the set of capabilities they can give and, and how they tailor to them rather than, than ask them to just fit with whatever's there. Um, but I do think they have a tremendous advantage when it comes to Spectrum. They own. Uh, they have a tremendous advantage in terms of the power they wield in terms of the device ecosystem and driving the chip manufacturers, the fundamental chip manufacturers. Um, I think CBRS has done a, a particularly good job. And you mentioned the, the movement in Germany. I think they've done a fantastic job uh, in just trying to level that playing field. But I, I think, I do think that in the end, spectrum, the, the amount of spectrum and the bandwidth available is probably going to continue to come under pressure. And so, you know, I, I think the carriers 
are in a decent place to take advantage of it. It's just they they really need to start thinking from the customer's perspective and trying to figure out how they can be more accommodating to them. Chris, between this transition to standalone 5G, the proliferation of private networks and this uh, burgeoning application space, there's clearly significant opportunity for innovation. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share your perspective. Tell us about the work Innovate 5G is doing and answer that question. Will 5G change the world? Thank you. Will 5G change the world is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kenny. Thanks for listening.